0: This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Okay, uh, right, where to start? Do you know where I wanted to start with day? Was uh, the 1,000 burpee challenge. <laughs> now, I know this might just be a wee, a wee bit of fun just to kick us off today, but what a year today, I think, for the country, officially closed down for lockdown.
1: Yeah.
0: And in the lockdown, like me and most people were taking advantage of the sun and reading a book out our back garden, and you and some of your crazy pals were doing a 1,000 burpees a day. Uh, yeah how, how how did you get into that in the first place oh it, it's
1: kind of funny like so when I when I, one of the things when we were training was if you left your equipment behind so if you left gloves shorts or anything behind you yeah. stuck up on social media and it was basically a like for burpees and I think I left my gloves at one time at one of the gyms and I got like 1200 odd
0: burpees to do wow right okay
1: and uh, I just, and they were like, yeah, look, you need to do these burpees. There's no ifs or buts. You need to do these burpees. So I'm like, okay, cool. I've done the 1,200, and I, I knew how much of a hard challenge it was. Yeah. Uh, I said, right, I'm going to do 1,000 burpees uh, just to see where my fitness level is. Taking into consideration, I was supposed to be fighting coming this, this end of this month, last year, yeah. and then obviously COVID ended it. So I'm like, you know what, this will be my challenge. In a sense, let's see how long it takes to do 1,000 burpees. Yeah. And then uh the likes of Daniel Tuchel uh, said he's wanting to do it. And then he got a few of the other boys to do it as well. So it just kind of escalated from there. And then I saw a few other people. like uh, We saw a few boys from GTBA doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw one or two people down south doing it. So it was pretty cool, man.
0: So h- how long did it take you to do What was your best time for a 1,000 burpees? So my best
1: time last year was just about 59 minutes, something.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And wh- what was the body feeling like after that? Do you know what? The Achilles
1: were probably the worst of it, in all honesty. Yeah, right. Uh, just because you're up and down, up and down, you're not getting a really good stretch. Uh, so that and probably just the fatigue. Uh-huh. It wasn't really It wasn't really more the kind of the pain, like you would get if you were doing loads of reps or something, of like uh, press-ups or something, you get that kind of Dom's feeling, that chest ache or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it was just that kind of all-over fatigue, lethargic kind of feeling. Yeah. Uh, that that was hellish for maybe about two or three days and then it was back to normal how many times did you do it I've only done it once since then uh, oh, it's, okay. kind of, it's, it's kind of one of those ones where you say you know what I'm going to do it once just to see how I'm and that's it it gets put on the back burner and you never go back to it again
0: well you can always say that you've done it
1: that's yeah, uh, I mean, I've done the twelve hundred. I've done a thousand. That's me. I'm never going back to it again unless I really need to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you did do the one when you left your gloves in the gym, then?
1: Yeah, I done I done the twelve hundred <laughs> and then I went straight into the I afterwards as well, and then that was just hellish as well. That that was just stupid. But I was in a fight camp at the time, and I was like, yeah. you know what? I need to be doing the spam and it was just something extra. Brilliant,
0: mate. Brilliant. Right. So, how's uh, how has the, the lockdown affected sort of you and your training that's probably a place to, to to kick into next i know you're at the well you can you can clarify that your sort of main job is down at the national institute is it yeah so
1: right. i work for sports scotland as in essence really a kind of fit, fitness gym instructor
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, i get the opportunity to work with some people like so, amateur athletes to an extent so there's a scheme there was a scheme with North Ayrshire where they were kind of pushing through like amateur athletes or whatever you might be lucky enough to get one or two of them and kind of work with them and whatever but yep. basically my role is basically as just a, a gym instructor you would yep. see in a, a commercial gym all the time but the lucky thing was that I'm in a national sports center like Sports Scotland yep. I had the opportunity to work with different other people so like so we had uh a few years ago, uh, we had the Scottish gymnastics team that went to Golden Coast.
0: Very, uh, yep.
1: They were in doing all their kind of prep work and strength work. So you got to get to see them. We had uh, Manchester United 23s in. Yep, yep, right. Uh, that was a really kind of pff, bit of an eye shocker, how, how strict they are and how... So we get we sometimes get some of the Scottish Premier League teams in. Yep, yep. And it's like night and day. You know, they're in. Premier League Scottish teams are like this, blah, 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 blah. then you see the under-23s Manchester boys, and and it's just like, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Then you can go on your phone, you know?
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, if your boys as young as, what, 14, and they're on 12 grand a week, they need to be head on, down, getting it done, you know? So, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Like, we we get to work with a lot of people, uh, and it's a good wee place. And there's been a lot of opportunities for myself in terms of qualifications. It's a great facility. I mean, see ever since it's been refurbished, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you've been there before or whatever. It used to be this kind of like a sort of old old style building, and then it was a separate centre. It's mm-hmm. now everything's together. In. Yeah. So the and centre, the gym, the centre, the the kind of like hotel centre thing is all allocated into everything. So it's a really great facility, and it's just a shame because of COVID that it's not got to be used to its fullest extent in the last year.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how, how's that? I, I want to put a full, I want to dedicate a full section of your chat today to uh, the Muay Thai and and, and your, your sort of fighting career, but uh, just to stick on the sort of fitness stuff to to start with, like, how how's that affected? Are you? Have you been doing any, like, one-to-ones with online clients or things like that? <laughs> not really, I like, uh,
1: it's kind of weird we, as an instructor on in Sports Scotland we're not really allowed to do like PT right. work okay. but in an essence you are because you get you are giving uh, members one-to-one programmes all the time
0: yeah
1: so you are in essence uh, and I'm an instructor but you're also a PT at the same time but I've not really been doing anything kind of like uh, via online or whatever I've got my own kind of mindset and kind of theories about online stuff as much as I do like it at the same time, it's not for me. I like the one-to-one. I like being on pand, I like being very personal. Yeah. Uh, so that's something I cannot... And the fact as well, because I've, I've, I've had recently a wee baby uh, yeah. girl, well, a toddler now, yeah, yeah. I've tried to, tried to use this last year to spend as much time with her at the same time still training myself, you know? Very, uh, very yeah. So it's like... <sighs> I would love to do a wee bit more online stuff, but at the same time, I've like, got, you know what? I'm going to take as much time as I can to spend with my family, train myself, and just enjoy the kind of time that COVID has given us as well. As much as it is a bad thing,
0: yeah. it
1: has been really good for me in that sense that I've been able to see my my daughter learn to walk, start to speak, be absolutely crazy, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, so it has had its positives. It has had its kind of negatives for me as well. Yeah. Um, and a, a positive and a negative for me is like, it's a... Uh, I've not always managed to fight in the last year. So that has managed to allow me to kind of, in essence, recuperate, a sense. I'm not constantly dieting. I'm not letting my body get down to like a pure near-death kind of state where I'm skeletal. I'm I'm not strong. I'm not physically feeling as powerful and whatever. Yeah. So it's me a chance to kind of put weight on, get stronger. But at the same time, it's like, a, oh, shit, man, when it comes back to fighting, you're going to have to cut a lot of weight. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... It has a it's got like two, it's a double sword, Really, I've been able to get that strength, stronger, that faster, that bit more powerful. But at the other hand, I'm like, wow, you're gonna have to cut a lot of it to get down with it, you know? Yeah, it's just it's a bad thing, but it's a good thing at the same time.
0: We we moved all of our uh, we moved all of our taekwondo classes online, and uh, mm-hmm. that was fine. It, it meant I was in the house, obviously. But uh, just what you say there, and I hope that people. I hope that people have had that opportunity because I've had the same opportunity as you. Like, I would be coming in from work, spending an hour with the wee guy. I've, I've got one wee boy uh, and then you're back out to different sports centres and teaching. Mm-hmm. I was teaching seven days a week at, at one stage and uh, this last year, like just getting so close. I know that sounds crazy and your wee boy, my wee boy's eight now, but mm-hmm. just getting so close for your kid has been a huge blessing. Uh, that-
1: I totally agree. When I was fight, uh, training for this fight last year, so I was literally leaving the house at five o'clock to start work at six. Yeah, uh, I would train straight after my shift. I'd be back up the road. I'd get to spend an hour with the wee one, and then I'd be off to the grip house for two hours. By the yeah. time I get back, it's like half eight, nine o'clock at night.
0: Yeah,
1: starting to get hard to get to sleep. I've hardly had any time, and I've hardly had any time with my missus as well. Yes, so sure. it, it's been it's been perfect, you know, in a sense for for people that haven't had that chance to.
0: Stay at home and have that time with their family as well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right, so <clears throat> let's move on to to talk a wee bit about your thai boxing, uh journey or, or career. Mm-hmm. You know, what? Yeah, anytime. If I've seen you in, in uh, Mayhem Gym, just if I've been, been in to see Stevie or whatever. Uh, if you're only holding pads and stuff, you, you you're one of these guys that but I don't know if I would know you were there. Do you, you know? Like, and I, I, that That's where I want to start this conversation because you're such a... Uh, well, how you come across to me anyway, Mondo, and you might say, listen, you're completely wrong there, and that's cool too. But <laughs> just such a quiet, nice guy, and I think a lot of fighters are like that. And you just play <laughs> your stuff, and then once it's showtime, so to speak, it's showtime and you're a, a different guy. That's <laughs> accurate. I I, I agree with you but it's like when I first started getting
1: the thing one of my friends at the time who I no longer uh, talk to or say to him one of the things he came up why don't you just go in there and be like ah, like (laughs) go and run at him and go 100 an now and I'm like you can't but you just you've got to have that kind of there's that line where you've got anger aggression and control you know there's those lines in there and if you just blur them all together you're going to end up injured, you're going to end up severely getting knocked out potentially yeah. or doing something really stupid. You've got to have that balance of being able to go from uh, calm to aggressive, angry to do fighting, in my opinion. You know, there's got to be that kind of control there, and you'll probably find it yourself with the Taekwondo. though. There's aspects of you where you need to be very controlled, very calm, and then there's like that's when I need to uh, that's when I need to be aggressive. Yeah. And I'm been much like that. And, uh, I wouldn't say I've got a bad bone in my body. You, know, you don't
0: come across that way that's the thing like at all
1: i like me, mean, i like i want to be everybody's palate at the end of the day and i know that's not physically possible but i don't see the point in being you know what i'm gonna be a dick just for the sake of being a dick but don't yeah. get me wrong But are times when uh, when i'm training people or if i'm sparring with someone or whatever that i will be a dick yeah. but nine times out of ten i'm just a nice person you know and if if i can help you i'll help you you know that's just it's the way i've been brought up at the end of the day you know
0: yeah
1: Uh, and i don't sometimes i like to be part of the kind of the crowd that's obviously getting the conversation flowing and what. And then other times i just kind of like sit back and just watch things and see how people interact and see where things go you know and i I kind of get guess that comes from one of my previous roles is working in security i just kind of like watching people and seeing how things are yeah Uh,
0: but yeah, it's, it's a weird one when I like being nice and then other times I like being a
1: dick and just kind of hitting people. <laughs> how, uh, what age are you now,
0: Mondo? I am 33 and I'm going to be 34 in June, which right. is quite scary. Listen, I'm, I'm 40 next year. Uh, okay, this is a question that we, we kind of always bring up, especially with a martial artist like yourself that I've had on the, the podcast. Like how did it all start? How did How did you get into... So
1: I started well maybe 1819 and I started basically in a kind of a freestyle kind of Korean kickboxing and that was taught by uh, Sensei Jackie Marshall and John Whitebody. Okay. Uh, And basically it was I'd seen all the films, I'd seen the best of the best,
0: uh,
1: kickboxer, blood sport, you name it. I saw it on I want to try this, I want to have a bash at it. Uh, And I worked right up till I got my first stand in kickboxing. Right. uh, really enjoyed it it just didn't feel as if it had what I wanted you know I, I was like I'm training all the time for this uh, this martial arts sport I want to be able to put it into practice and my uh, sense at the time Jackie was really good friends with Lex uh, Lex who's who as right. well, a world champion kickboxer in Paisley
0: uh-huh.
1: that look we've got a few tickets to his show we're going to go so when I loved it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be uh-huh. But I'm like, I really love that, or I, I want to do that, and my sense is like that. Look, I don't know if that'll be for you. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then MMA had just started to come into the scene a wee bit more in the last ten of uh, when I started eighteen nineteen, yeah. and I joined. The, uh, well, I went to one or two classes with a, a group called Team uh, Team Viper. Right. Okay. Uh, and they were kind of MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, bit of Thai boxing as well. So I went up and. I loved the training. It was fantastic. I came out with this pure high elevated up to here. Uh, but if you weren't part of the kind of core group of people, you were only really paying attention as much.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So yeah. it kind of disheartened me a wee bit. And then I maybe went and I two or three times. And then that's when I met my first high boxing instructor, Mickey Madden. Right. Mickey just got a look, wee man, I'm going to be uh, running a class in the Boglestone comm. It's just going to be a few boys. We're just going to hit pads, maybe spar. You interested? I've got... that sounds perfect started with Mick and literally maybe training three, four months and I get the opportunity to fight on uh, on one of John Craig's shows uh, down in Harrington so we went down and then that was it basically I went and had my first fight it was chaotic I I actually think it's still on YouTube so if you want to laugh man go on the YouTube type in Mondo first fight Harrington and just see me run at this guy here. it's just it's crazy Uh, yeah, I stayed with Mick for maybe another two years after that. And still, we were still kind of fighting under the Pope Glasgow Muay Thai uh, kind of flag, but was still part of SMTC. Mm -hmm. And then I started uh, training with John a lot more. I got a lot of good fights with John. uh, And it it just worked out more better for me because of my job at the time. I Was in, in the Glasgow area, it was easier to just go to East Kilbride than go all the way back down to Port Glasgow and to then go right back up and so forth. So for traveling, it was easier. Uh, Trained with John for a wee while, and then again, just because of traveling and whatever, I moved over to Robert Buck, who was still flying under the flag of the SMTC Glasgow with John. Okay. Uh, Trained with jo- uh, Robert. Uh, started thinking, do you know what, I'm going to go a wee bit down, like further afield. So I started training, like, so, going down for a week, training, like, so, with Michael Dixon, uh, Paul, trained with Panicus trained with, uh, oh, Christ, what would you call him? Ace McAllister, and his dad and the boys down there at Phoenix. Uh, just travelled as much as I can, and then, uh, let's see what happened. So I, I kind of stayed with Ralph for a while, and then in the last kind of two years, Bit of things if I'm not going to it because I don't want to do oh, like well. information and kind of badness. But let's just say we had a fallout, things were said, mm-hmm. and I moved over to the grip house where I've been since been there for like the last kind of 18, 24 months now. Yeah. And it's been fantastic. It's like it's opened my eyes. And that's, that's something I really like. one of the reasons why I started to kind of go like I'm going to go down south to try and learn about true more about Muay Thai is I want to have more perspectives. I don't want to have this kind of fixed kind of tunnel vision of what Muay Thai is. Yeah. I want to see what this person says Muay Thai is. I want to see what this person sees it is. And one of the things I really like with the grip is, you've got like, so you've got Guy, you've got Manny, you've got Keith, you've got T, uh, you've got Charlie, who all have these different things. They've got that core kind of values of what Muay Thai is. Yeah, Just yeah, add yes. wee bits and bobs, and that, I think you should try this, and I think you should try that. I mean, I was always told that my kickboxing stuff was never going to work in Thai boxing.
0: Okay. Like,
1: like, I was told a spinning hook kick will never knock someone out. My third right. fight, I knocked so my third fight, I knock someone out with a spinning hook kick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. But I, but since then, I was told that it's a one-trick pony. It'll never happen again. I never reverted back to it. Yeah. but then I've got the likes of a guy who's saying right I want you to practice spinning hook kicks so I want you to do spinning back fists so I want you to do jumping spinning back kicks that stuff's getting added back into my repertoire now so yeah. Yeah. it's it's kind of like a, I started there my base level has just kind of elevated at that time you know yeah. so it's been a good kind of like 10 years or so just kind of going from one place
0: to another, seeing what their perspective is and just gradually improving, you know, and at no, the same time fighting at, at such a high level as well. Yeah. See, just one wee point uh, that we can maybe explore here. Like, I've, Now, the first thing I'll say is I fully understand that people have to start somewhere. You're always going to have your first fight. I, I yeah. understand that. I've been, and, and you kind of mentioned it about yourself, like I, I would imagine you're in the ring, the lights are blaring down on you and you just sort of you go for it, and sometimes I've been to shows and I've thought to myself, like, you worry that people are maybe put in just too early that they don't have that uh, uh, calmness, I guess. But mm-hmm. you, but I understand. Listen, let me be clear. I understand you'll no get that unless you get the experience. Yeah. How do you how do you find that happy medium? So it doesn't look like a street fight. Guys are just getting in and they've completely lost it. But you have to get um, them started somehow.
1: It's it's weird. Like I don't know if it. Uh, there might. Uh, this might be actually quite controversial for Matt, for me to say this. But fuck it. I don't give it. Uh, <laughs> I tend to find, especially a lot in Scotland, where the fights, you're very much easy to see who's a real beginner mm-hmm. compared to when you're down south. Yeah. I think so. I feel from what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've kind of experienced see if you're training down south yep there's opportunities for you to be put into enter clubs weekend 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 whereas up here I could have someone training for like maybe six weeks to eight weeks and say do you know what you want to fight I think you're fighting two weeks time you know and they get flung into the deep end right and the, and the, that's where you see the skill change yep you know? yep. you're getting these people down down south who are in a kind of extreme competitive situation every weekend. Okay, it's not full contact, they're they're shinned up, they've got bigger gloves on, they maybe have headguards on depending on their set or whatever, but they're getting that every weekend, you know? Whereas this person's only been training for like six, eight weeks, and they're getting flung into the deep end, full contact, bear shin, eight-inch gloves, ten-inch gloves, boom, you know? That's where you kind of see that massive skill set change. Yeah. Uh, and don't get me wrong, it's something that is high and is evolving in Scotland in terms of like, say, so the junior level. So, if I tend to find, like, I never done any other clubs at all. I think I had one other club, okay. but all my all my competitive fights have been pro fights, you know. Yep. So I was far into the deep end in essence. But I tend, I will say now that juniors are probably the best way to start. I, I, I'm kind of gutted I didn't start when I was a junior. Uh-huh. You're seeing more juniors going to interclubs, yeah. Yep. So when you see a junior going into an adult fight, and you got well, that guy's only had six weeks. What's the difference here? They've been training since they've been knee high, you know. I they've hear, got that yeah. skill set. So it is really hard. Like I had one of my students. Uh, it came from being a, a background of like a badminton player, very high level badminton player. Right. Yeah. Uh, and. I was training with one of my friends, uh getting PTs off him uh PT moved abroad and had to pass them on to myself. And so look yeah. I looked, I have really, got that competitive streak. I want to train. I want to fight. And I said to God look, I'm not gonna put you into a fight until I feel that you're comfortable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that I'm happy with your skill level. Uh I think I trained on for maybe what pff, twelve months before I said, right, you're gonna get a fight, you know? Uh and uh, just waiting that wee bit was better because it gives you that ability to get that skill set. I think, see, because of the kind of social media thing as well, people want to be flung into a fight you now so they can fling up on their Facebook or their Instagram, <laughs> I'm a fighter, I'm, I'm this and that. And it gets them the likes, it gets off of the gram, you know. But yeah, when yeah. they get put into that position, pff, that that kind of cutting comes down. But Oh crap, man, I've bit off way too much than I can chew, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yep. you need to obviously, you need that training it's there for a reason at the end of the day yep. if you're not ready and prepared I've failed or your coaches failed to prepare you and make you the safe and strong fighter that you need to be for that event you
0: know yeah see the, the thing about the kids uh, we, we we've got a lot of kids and adult students and the adults will always say uh, okay uh, we've got obviously young kids that will become teenagers and some of them will stay with us all the way through until they're adults. Yeah. And then the adult students that join, they all comment and say, "You can just tell that that kid's been there for. Your body just moves in a different way because yeah. you're sort of all those neural pathways are set for kicking and punching and doing this and that, uh, and it's so natural. What? Again, I'm 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 completely happy to be proven wrong here or to be told that I'm wrong. What I see a lot. Uh, from the outside, is that the 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 lifespan of someone in Muay Thai isn't as long as what I think it probably could be. Uh, it might be because there is a lot of young people saying, I just want to fight or I want to just be, I want to just get a video up on my Facebook or whatever. But, like I... And I don't know... I I'll, do, I'll totally right, agree, man. Like, you're, right. you're, you're
1: very right in that. So, so there's a lot of people that I have seen not coming up from like a junior level, just an adult level, who yeah. have shown real, real promise. Maybe had two or so many fights and then they just disappear. Uh-huh. You know?
0: yeah. hey, that's what I'm uh, saying. Yeah. Hey.
1: Yeah. I think a part of it comes down to one, wh- whether you're going to get a fight. You know, it yeah. is sometimes really hard to get one, and then secondly, you're not really doing it for anything at the end of the day, it's not exactly well paid
0: unfortunately.
1: Uh, And you're only really doing it for the love of it at the end of the day, so it's kind of hard to keep that kind of drive, that inspiration, that motivation to keep on, you know what, I'm going to hammer at it, hammer at it, hammer at it. And I can totally understand why some that have been juniors have been right tore into it from the start and then maybe they take a few years away from it, Mm -hmm. enjoy their life and then come back to it,
0: you know? Yeah, that makes sense too. That does make sense.
1: like Or, as I say, you've got some adults that have fought, had maybe two, three fights, and then, do you know what? It's not for me. I've done it. I've kind of ticked it off my bucket list. I'm done, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the boys that I used to train with was Mick. He was brilliant. He was, like, perfect body proportions for it. Showed really good uh, kind of a gift there it almost. Uh, and then three or four fights, chopped it. He came back to it there for a wee while, managed to get into it, but COVID kind of put things into it. So that's a different kind of story. But he yeah. was out it for a good part of maybe six to eight years, and then he's came back in, you know. So yeah. it does happen in that respect as well.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just it's one of those ones It's I think with this, especially from my own experience, you really have to have a love for it to kind of stick at it, you know, to yeah. kind of get what you want out of it. You've got to be a
0: wee bit crazy as well, haven't you? I mean oh, it's, not, it's not fun getting punched in the face or taking an elbow to the face, is it? Well, see just okay, the next that kind of ties in nicely with, with, with the next thing that has came to my mind to talk about. Uh, and I actually noted this down when you were talking about weight cutting. Now mm-hmm. There's, we could have a whole conversation on weight cutting. Uh, I don't. Did you
1: see the the UFC last year at the weekend? Who actually fainted on the
0: scales? Right now, I was talking about that just our day. She actually collapsed twice. She uh, collapsed only once. not yeah, they, they only got one on video. So this is maybe a really good thing to chat to you about, uh, especially because you are so knowledgeable about conditioning and health and fitness as well. So, sure. Girl goes up to probably the biggest fighting association in the world. So you're thinking they should have this down. Down. She actually collapsed. And then, as you said, the only video had won. She collapsed. And they put her back on the scale. And then she collapsed again. So she didn't just collapse once. She collapsed twice. And then only on the second one was her fight cancelled. So what I want to ask you today is why you would continue to put yourself through that and how dangerous, actually, is it?
1: Oh, mate, so I'll, I'll tell you a story. So I was flew over to Sweden uh, to fight in Gothenburg City. It was, like, one of my B-class fights or one of my escapades in the B-class, and I was fighting a, a kind of Asian boy by the name of Jian Hong. And you'll see, when you first saw this kid, he looked like a kid. See, as soon as the top came off, it's like, bloody the hell, bodybuilder style, you know? <laughs> but... Uh, this was my first time getting down to 57k and I literally was so I was in a shit job at the time. So see, trying to get around training and whatever to get down to it. It was horrific. Right. I was in the sauna on the Thursday for about four hours, five hours.
0: Right, wait a minute. Let me stop you right there, right? What what age would you have been?
1: Oh Christ, I must have been about twenty five, maybe twenty-six.
0: Right. And what height were you? So
1: I'm five,
0: I'm five foot seven. Right. So I'm just I've got the calculator here on the phone. That's eight stone nine pound.
1: Yeah, roughly about that, yeah. And I think I must have been about sixty-three kilos beforehand, 63, 64. And I've done this in this space for maybe eight to twelve weeks. Uh so I've been in the sauna, I've managed to get myself down to maybe about 59.5. We flew over, and I'm sitting in the plane on a sauna suit trying to get this water out of okay. me. Okay. We, la- we land, we go to the hotel As soon as I'm in the hotel Myself, uh, my pal Ross Who was fighting Nic- uh, Nicole who was fighting All jumped down into the sauna uh, steam room. I'm in the steam room for another what, Four or five hours And I managed to hit 57 My heart rate must have been elevated high Because I could feel it racing yeah. I had that pure kind of That dry mouth where you're like ah. I couldn't talk the Nicola and uh, Nicole and Ross were pure that like, Mondo. You don't look well at all. I'm like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. I jump on the scales and they're like, that to me, you're not overweight. I'm like, what? I'm 57 bang on. He's like, no, we need you at 56. I'm like, no, text message says 57. No, no, 56. Yeah. So I've had to jump off the scale, go back into the sauna, start skipping and up and I can only lose 0.5 a kilo. My body has literally went, look, no. no. You're not losing anymore. Yeah. You've got nothing more to give. So I got they end up letting me away with a point five, but I was dead. I had nothing. I looked like a junkie. I felt crap. I was horrific. I lasted maybe one and a half rounds of the fight.
0: Yeah. When
1: you get that depleted, your body has nothing. You have no punch ability. You have no kick ability. Anything that gets flung at you is literally going to put you down because your body can't react. You know, yeah. you've taken all the goodness out of your body. And I was very lucky that I didn't faint beforehand. But see, after, even after the fight, I was feeling ill. I couldn't eat. I was struggling to get the fluids back in. Yep. If you do it wrong, it's going to hit you for days. If you do it right, bro, It's 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 a science in its own right at the end of the day. It,
0: it, it, I know that one championship have got a different style style. yeah
1: one championship is doing things really really good so see if I was the one to fight in my 57 uh, fight category (laughs) I'd be able to do it because I would show up on the hydration test as being severely dehydrated yep
0: yep
1: and they do that test twice as far as I believe Uh and that's done so that you are safe and able to perform and they're looking after your safety and your health at the end of the day and I don't understand why the UFC doesn't do
0: that either yeah. Right, let, let's let's just let, let's stick on you, and uh I've seen you've got a fight organised for later in later in the year now. Eventually, yeah.
1: Well, I've got I've just had another fight confirmed for August in
0: Glasgow.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so that's a wee bit closer to the date, Uh and it means I've got a bit more of a challenge to get to weight, but it's, it's perfect for you know.
0: Right. So without and again, maybe there's stuff that you you, you don't want to disclose here regarding. What your weight's going to be like and stuff, but mm-hmm. as much as you can tell me, and I understand that. So, if you were, let's say, you were to fight, okay, what do you walk around as? Just at the moment, I, this, is, this, this is probably the heaviest I've sat at the moment. I'm walking like, about, about 72 kilos
1: at the moment, right?
0: Okay, right. Let's let's put cover to the side and just yep. let's say you had two fights a year and one in March, and then you were going to have another one in December. So you in about the summertime, June or July. What would you be walking about at? Changing, uh, what would your weight be? I,
1: my, before COVID kicked in, my, my walkabout rate was about 65,
0: 67. Right, so 60, we'll call it 65, 67 yes. is worst case scenario, right? 65, and you would be looking to fight at, at what? Uh, if,
1: uh, probably 57. So you're looking at
0: what? Eight kilo drop. Right, Okay. So you were in the day before at 57 kilograms. Yep. What are you when you enter the ring the following night?
1: If I'm quite fortunate and I can get an IV, I've got a good recomp in terms of what I can get in food-wise, I can walk back in at least 8 to 10 kilos heavy.
0: Right, okay. So mm-hmm. the question's right back to that basic question then of why so if, if, if I had no experience at all and I'm, I'm being devil's advocate here, I would say, well, hold on a minute, that's cheating because you only it that way, you're ten kilo, mm-hmm. seven kilograms heavier. So so it's, seven it's, feet
1: it's, feet. it's done the exact same way it's done in UFC as uh, in a lot of the other fights. People want to have a kind of size advantage at the end of the day, yeah. you know? And I, I've had it done to myself before. Like I've fought at like 60 against one of the Grip House boys. And I'm a small 60K fighter at the end of the day. And I got matched with a boy called uh, Bart uh, Mizek on my leg. And Bart was an animal. He was huge. He was about twice the size of me as he was wide. Uh, You know, he had a massive size advantage over me. And that's what it's done for at the end of the day. People want to have that size advantage so they can have a bit of strength advantage. And there's also a wee bit of psychological part to it as well. If you've got someone that looks physically imposing, you're yeah. kind of like, oh, shit, man, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Well, let's not be that. to see if someone does look big and scary. Your instant thing is there's a bit of fear in there,
0: you know. So, they're big and scary then, aren't they? <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, so there's that. there's a psychological fear part of it. There's also the physical part of it as well. They're yeah. looking for that size advantage so they, they can dominate, whether it be in the clinch or if it's in the UFC, they're on the floor and they can dominate on that. They've got yeah. that extra weight to lie down on someone, you know. Yeah. And, we're kind of, and it's kind of the same when you do your tie boxing with the clinch. You've got that extra weight to kind of lean on somebody, to kind of foam manhandle someone about as well, you know. Mm. So it gets done everywhere, unfortunately.
0: No, I, I know for sure. I know.
1: It's, it's kind of the, it's the dark side of the sport, I would say, you know. Uh, and I've heard some really pretty bad, nasty uh, weight cuts for people. Uh, I've seen some really bad, nasty cuts for folk as well uh, that have just been horrific, I've seen what it can do to people. I've seen online what it says. I, I don't know if you remember seeing maybe a few years ago, the, there was a Japanese show happening.
0: Right. I think it was
1: an MMA show. And the, the, the fighter actually had to be carried onto the scales by his coaches. And he was literally like this all over. Yeah. you know. And you're just sitting there going, like, how can this fight be allowed to go ahead? I mean, like, medically, his heart rate must be up here. Yeah. his eyes must be severely dilated, his breathing's got to be all over the place, how is he being medically cleared to fight, you know, yeah. uh, that for me, I got, see if I had saw that, Like for me, if I'm a doctor, and you walk under my scales, you faint twice, I'm saying there, straight away, this fight's not going ahead, you know, yeah.
0: But see, uh, the, thing, the thing is, Mondo, like, this is why your youth fighters are absolutely crazy because you've just said that. But see, two minutes ago, you were telling me a story about being in a sauna in Sweden. <laughs> like, doing exactly the same thing to yourself. It's uh, it's craziness. He's not he's, he's as mad as a brush. So he's, he's... I, the thing is, like, <laughs> so
1: look, when, I, when I'm saying about the medical cleared right, uh, I, from my experience over here, I've only dealt with maybe one or two, well, maybe two or three doctors that have done really good, clear medical tests to say, like, I think you're fit enough to fight. Uh, When I've been been over the street in the fight, what, three times now? Okay. In terms of being tested medically, they're they're up there. They're brilliant. They they have you for like 30, 45 minutes, and they go through a lot of different tests. They go through hearing tests. They go through physical tests. uh, So they maybe get you active for maybe five minutes. They're checking how fast you are to recover on your resting heart rate. They've got testing their eyes. They do a shitload more than what we do in the UK, you yeah. know, which is a wee bit scary when you think about it as well. Yeah. Uh, it's something I think the worst one I had, I was fighting on the Headhunter show. I literally walked into the, what do you call it, the doctor's room, signed, got my heart checked, quick pulse, rate, you're healthy, on you go, mate. You know, it's, it's kind of scary in that regard. So, as much as the weight, weight side of things is kind of a scariest prospect, Having the right doctor can be the kind of so if a doctor's only really there just for a payday, you yep. could be going in there and you could have something seriously wrong with you, you know. Yep. And that I mean you might not know that you've got something like wrong with the heart and you get struck there. Doctor could have known that if he checked you thoroughly. Yeah. That's potentially something that's debilitating for the rest of your life. Okay, that's the worst case scenario, but it could happen,
0: you know. That that worries me about all uh well, again, you're talking about professional setups, but even just amateur setups, and it's not just in something that would be like full contact, like Muay Thai, but even like a Taekwondo championship. And you're talking about a national championship, or Karate, or or what Judo, whatever martial art it is. There's a there should be like a duty of care to people that I know for a fact just is not there. I mean, if if we stick on the Muay Thai, you know, you get. Someone comes in and, again, let's say they're fighting amateur, don't even include payment. And as you mentioned earlier on, the payment's rubbish anyway. But if you're doing a fight night and you're you're, you're no getting paid and then you get knocked out, the doctor makes sure you're all right. And three weeks later, there's a side effect to that or or something because of that, that concussion. There's... Now I know you've you've probably you're at your own risk, but there's no duty of care there. You kind of go back to that promotion and say, I've had a yeah. problem with my brain I mean, of this
1: You kind of get to, you're given you giving something to sign that you agree that you acknowledge that you are going into a, a swap where you're gonna get physical harm. And yeah. that's basically in essence a wave on my eyes. you're it's waving, yeah. Yep. You know, and at the end of the day. The promotion is trying, is obviously doing what they have to do for one for your safety by having a doctor on or, or medic on hand, and then at the same time, they're trying to kind of save themselves so that nothing does fall back on them, which is totally understandable. Because oh, at yeah. the end of the day, if it was to happen all the time, we wouldn't be able to fight, you know. You, yeah, yeah. you, I had I got knocked out last week, and I'm going to go back to the promotion and say, Look, by the way, i don't have side effects, i want have a few grand after you for the kind of recomp, you know. Yeah. No, and it, it's like the thing that's probably different. I'd say with taekwondo uh, and Thai boxing, you just have a government body, so you kind of have procedures and protocols in place. Yeah. In essence, Thai boxing doesn't doesn't have a kind of legitimate. I mean, Sport Scotland, Sport England don't recognise Thai boxing. Yeah, as far as as far as I'm aware. We don't get recognised by Sport Scotland or Sport England. Taekwondo yeah. is recognised; is still recognised by Sports Scotland. England. Yeah,
0: I spoke uh, about that in the last podcast, actually. Yep,
1: yep. You know, so one of the big things I would love to see in the future for Thai boxing is to get that recognition, so that it can be more safer. You've got those procedures in place, and you do have your protocols, and so we do have the kind of the uh, UKMF, but there's sometimes, here there's sometimes not here. So it's yeah. it's a hard one to be, you know. I would like to see a governing body bring in to make things a wee bit more safer. Okay, it might cost a wee bit more money, yeah. but at the end of the day, if we want to have longevity in this sport, especially for either keeping the sport going or having fighters fighting longer or just being safer, you need that there at
0: yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, there's another thing I want to chat to you about, and it's getting back to more of your experience as a... Uh, a, a PT or a, a fitness coach something that really interested me was uh, I listened to an interview with uh, Farah Sahabi, Josh St-Pierre's coach mm-hmm. and it's about training protocol and you're, you're the perfect guy actually to talk to us about uh, he was talking about people uh, training till failure mm-hmm. uh, and then he was pretty much like absolutely against that. Now, I'll, I'll probably murder this, but I'll try my best to explain what he was what he was talking <coughs> about. Let's say, for example, uh, you and I were the exact same skill set, the exact same weight, age, everything, and we're going to train, uh, we're going to fight in three months' time. Sure. Now, what he was saying was if Mondo goes in on a Monday and absolutely destroys himself and is so sore that he can't train on Tuesday... He's in back in on Wednesday, does exact same. He can't train on Thursday, trains on Friday. He says that's, he says he sees a lot of people that do that, that absolutely destroy their bodies with this attitude about train till I'm, I can't train anymore. And then he said, the next fighter, so I'll use myself, I go in and I do uh, just enough on Monday, just enough on Tuesday, just enough on Wednesday. By the time March comes, you might have think that you've trained harder than me because you pushed to failure, but I've had about 30 more training sessions than you in that time. So the question is... Well, oh, I'll, I'll give you a wee kind of yep.
1: analogy that I like to use, and I've used it with a few people, and a few people have used it as me. Imagine you've got your car, right? You've got, you've got two cars, right? you one running, like, right into the red line on the revs all the time. You do that daily, every day, no matter what. Your second car, you're lucky if you take it to maybe 2,000 reds. Silver, oh, in a short period of time, that card that's been in the red or thing, that's going to fail on you constantly. Yeah. Whereas the one that you've got that's just constant on that 2,000, 2,000, 2,000, it's going to last longer. you yeah. know. And the same method applies. At the end of the day, you're looking for something when you come to your training for S&C. It needs to be progressive. Uh, if you're constantly hammering yourself into the floor, you're going to end up getting into a point where you're going to be overtrained. You're not going to make any progressive gains. What you think are gains are probably not, you know. Uh, If you look at the second fighter and they're coming in, they're doing bits at a time, bits at a time, bits at a time, bits at a time, that ability for progressive overload is going to be massive compared to someone who's redlining themselves all the time. You know, they need that extra day of recovery, whereas that other one just needs that wee day, comes back. And it's a lot. It needs to be there. That's why progressive overload is there. You know, uh, if you've not got that progressive overload, and you are going to hammer yourself into the ground, you are going to end up in the worst state. You know, right. it's not especially for the combat game sports. If you hammer yourself day and night, you're not going to perform to the ability that you can. You know. So let,
0: let's talk about you then. Like if you. Uh... If you uh, had a fight coming up, in fact, let's look at it without a fight, first of all, actually. Sure. If you were just training the now, what does your week, what does your standard week look like? At the moment,
1: I am lifting maybe twice a week.
0: Right. Uh,
1: So Monday and Friday, I lift, and I'm doing mainly Olympic lift work. Okay. So Olympic lift work, so I'm snatching, I'm cleaning, I'm squatting, I'm maybe doing a bit of jerk as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm i'm maybe use a wee bit of light uh cardio. Tuesdays and thursdays I'm doing some kind of high-end conditioning. So I I quite I like using some of the CrossFit style was just because they're fun, they're something different and they've got movement patterns in that can do them, but they've enough uh of intensity to take me up to where I want to do. Uh and then I am maybe do a wee bit of bag work and it's technical bag work. So I'm only hitting for five threes and it's very light, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: And then say Wednesdays and Saturdays, I'm out doing some road work, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I am I'm very much in that kind of area. I do like to smash myself into the ground. Right.
0: But that's
1: just per, that's just personal preference. I don't do it all the time. I kind of like to do it to kind of see where, it's kind of like I want to see where I'm physically fitness-wise at the moment. Uh-huh. Yeah just as a test and I maybe do that every now and then. It's not something I do all the time.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that's something you would put in uh, only just as a right, I need I see where I am at the moment. Yeah. So the day
1: I've, I've I've the most I've run in the last kind of few weeks has been like five Ks, you know. Right. Just get myself back into the run of things and whatever. But I'm got like, you know what I'm gonna test myself. I'm gonna just go and do 15k just out of the blue.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and I'll 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 redline it, I'll try and push my pace for as long as I can to see how long I can maintain it and that's just a physical challenge just for myself to see where I'm mentally and where I'm physically more than anything yeah. you know that is times where you can go and train at that intensity uh, if you want to kind of challenge
0: yourself but if you're doing that day in and day out it's not going to do you anything in the long run you know yeah. I see from your I see from your social media that you're a big fan of kettlebells as well how do yeah, you so incorporate kettlebell work into your
1: training? kettlebells so I, I like kettlebells a lot. kettlebells used to be like one of my foundation bases of training Mm-hmm. Uh, one it's a handy piece of kit in terms of especially in this current situation it's small you can keep it in a very easy location and you can do loads with it it's a full body piece of kit uh, you can do cardio conditioning it. Right? you can do the strength work you can do explosive work you yeah. can work even some of the Olympic lift movements as well so it's very kind of beneficial in that terms uh, so I'll, I think it's a brown piece of kit uh, and I've got a shitload of them in the room at the moment yep. uh, but yeah like so I'll probably do them like uh, in some of uh, my conditioning that I maybe do on the Tuesday and the Thursday uh, and I do a multitude of different movements so it's full body so I'm getting the full benefit of it yep. uh, but kettlebell for me it's, it's a piece of kit I don't see people using a lot yep. because okay. they don't know how to use it or it's something I see getting used is very light because of kettle size, which is a kind of commercial gym class. Um, yep, yep. you get the 10 to 10 people to say, right, we're going to use this for an exercise. We're going to do it for one minute. And it's a light, light kettlebell. But they're brilliant for martial artists just because... So with a dumbbell, your two points of contact for your weight are here, right? And your yep. hand is there. Yep, when yep. you've got the kettlebell, that weight moves round your wrist. Whereas mm-hmm. with a dumbbell, it's standing in a fixed place. So if you think about when you're doing your strikes or moving you're constantly changing, your balance changes as well. So that is the same with the kettlebell. So it's yeah. uh, more applicable to what we do as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and the fact that you can use it, so say for talking six I have really too bad dodgy wrists. I've got a current, I've always wanted to have a fractured scaphoid in this wrist and I'm recovering from a scaphoid tear in my wrist at the moment This. this.
0: Okay. So
1: as much as I can do the Olympic list with the barbell, I'm limited to how heavy I can go at the moment. Yeah. But with the kettlebell, I'm not in an overextension position. I'm not severely flexing in the wrist. So the kettlebell allows me to work those Olympic movements, still working quite heavy, so I'm still getting that explosive aspect, but I'm not putting my wrist over on severe strain is what I would do with a barbell. So if you're injured with certain, there, they can work as well.
0: You know, they're a
1: great piece of kit, and they don't get utilised enough is what I think.
0: The last wee uh, question I've got for you, Mondo, before I let you go, because I know you're going to wait to train. Uh this is a sign of a brilliant martial artist. <laughs> is flexibility training what do you do, or how much flexibility training do you do, or what do you do?
1: Believe it or not, man, like when I was in kickboxing, we used to spend like 15 20 minutes on that all the time. Yep. Like, that you would warm up, you would do your 15 20 minutes, uh, you'd do your kind of hamstring, your quad stretch, cast stretch, you name it, and then yeah. you'd go into all your kind of like partner stretch, you'd do PNF, you'd do some force stretching as well. Yeah. Seeing with the jump to tie boxing, I very rarely do any kind of t- uh, stretching at all now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, I kind of work more on mobility based work uh-huh. so that I have certain ranges of movement that I'm still able to get into yeah. uh, and kind of foam roll. I mean, I would love to be able to spend 30, 40 minutes just stretching because mm-hmm. I know the benefits out there. But at the same time, when you look at a kind of, if you've only got an hour for training, for like for that you can dedicate for Thai boxing, yeah, warm up right five threes, that's going to take me real. well, and then some sparring, clinching, whatever, some technical that's going to take up the hour massively, you know,
0: right?
1: Mobility you can do quite quickly. I mean, you can do some seated uh, deep seated squat position holds holding for a minute, then move into something like a uh, inchworm workouts to loosen off the hamstrings. You can do some yep, t. Uh, press ups for like some thoracic and then uh, lumbar rotations as well, and it just allows you to get a quick bit of a stretch in, but at the same time, still work your range of motion. Yeah. Uh, I tend to find that stretching is something I don't see a lot, and it's probably one of the areas in Thai boxing that needs a wee bit more work on, a wee bit more because at uh, the end of the day, stretching helps to prevent against injuries. Yep, for sure. Yep. Uh, and it's something that uh, not not just myself, but a lot of people in Thai boxing. I say don't do enough of. You know. Yeah. Uh, also the fact as well, because a lot of the gyms that we're in for Thai boxing are old industrial units. They've got tin roofs. They're not insulated well. See, when it comes to the winter, the last mm-hmm. thing you want to be doing when you've just done a hard workout, you're sweating, is sit down on a freezing cold floor yeah. and stretch. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's probably the worst thing. Um uh, I mean. The only time I remember stretching with tie Boxing is when we used to train up at Obosdon come but that view room was roasting all the time, so you could get away with it. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but it's something definitely. It's not. It's definitely something that's not spent on. But in the last kind of like, uh, year, so I teach a mobility class in Sports Scotland. Right, brilliant. So it's some. We didn't have that for a while, and then it's something we've kind of brought in. So it's it's something that I know what a lot on with my colleagues to kind of progress and make one and then do you know what I'll be like, I'm going to focus this on for me for this week just so I can get something out of it at the same yep. time Yeah. but the, the people still benefit from it as well and then one of the boys Ross up at the grip house he, he knows a boy that does really specialise in mobility and he was bringing him in every Friday night and we were all paying like three or four quid for his hour worth of mobility
0: yep. so that
1: was kind of my flexibility training in the session as wow. well yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we definitely don't spend enough time on it. I, mean, I know I we're like a, a taekwondo, you really need to because of the difficulty and the kind of technical ability of some of the kicks require that flexibility. Yeah. But with tie boxing, it's kind of like, see, as long as you can kick to the body and the, the legs, yeah. unless you really want to go for the kind of show stuff, kind of finish with the high kick, yes. it's not something that's really
0: looked at, you know? Yeah, I was always, I mean, because you do, you see, you, I, I do witness head kicks and tie boxing, yeah. I do see it, and uh, it's, it, I'm thinking, right, well, they must be doing something to get the leg up there, unless everybody's just completely naturally talented, but it's so interesting <laughs> to see. So the, most you know, people I will find
1: have a good level of dynamic flexibility. Yeah. It's when you ask them to come and do their static flexibility, they're horrific. Yeah. It's like one of the boys up at the grip, uh, He's quite tall, he's quite skinny, quite lanky. Can kick you in the head, not a problem. Mm-hmm. But he's dy- his kind of static mobility and his static flexibility is horrific, you know.
0: That's
1: really uh, interesting. Yeah. It's it's weird and it's something I would like to kind of look into and maybe research at some point. It's like how dynamic flexibility can differ from static flexibility so dramatically, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's
0: kind of weird, like, oh, I can kick you in the head, but I can't touch my toes. <laughs> I know, it's know? Bad. <laughs> that is mad. Uh, right, so, just before I let you go, uh, you've got, so you've got two fights, hopefully, coming up. Yeah. So, what's the confidence like in the, the overall community about us moving out of COVID now and these, these fight events, uh, fight nights, being able to happen and get back so, to and...
1: There's a fight show happening in May, but that's been as a pay-per-view show, and that's happening down in Newcastle. So that's kind of like your first show that's going to be happening in the UK, in essence, right. but it's hopefully behind closed doors. Right, okay. With, obviously, with the hope that lockdown comes at the end of June, there's a few shows looking this to happen in July. Personally, I wouldn't hold my breath for them, just because Boris and Nicole, I don't like this, and what want to be arseholes and whatever but uh, political statement from Mondo there yep <laughs> political statement here <laughs> no but I don't see them happening uh, just because it's too soon that's straight out of lockdown I think there'll be far too many hoops to kind of jump through yeah uh, the show's coming later in the year. I think they've got a better chance of kind of happening just because there's a wee bit more time. It gives them a bit more time to set procedures and policies in place so that everything's been done by the letter and they can say, right, I've done this, I've done that. makes life a wee bit easier for them as well, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just hope it goes back to normal, man. Uh, hey, I'm, I, 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 I'm I desperate to get back to work just for a wee bit of routine, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and plus, I miss, I, miss, yeah. I miss my members, you know? Yep. Uh and I want to get out with the, the wee one as well. Like, you're probably same with your son as well. You've not had a chance to take him anywhere. No. Uh we want to take her to a climbing place, she's all over the place, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I'm hopefully, man, that after June, lockdown's completely gone, life's a wee bit easier, the fighting comes back better. Uh martial art competitions for every martial art is allowed like to go ahead, you know? Yeah. I, I know I was speaking oh, to a boy that never
0: made tournaments. Again, I guess mean, a class of your students will be an absolute dream at the minute.
1: Well, I was speaking to a boy that does jiu-jitsu the other night and he was just saying he's like, I'm desperate to get on the and just roll.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? But he's like I don't know how that's gonna work. Because again, if you look at it in terms of martial arts, so kickboxing karate, taekwondo even Thai boxing, we can kind of get away around it by doing bag work or whatever, yeah. uh, shadow boxing or whatever, yeah. so forth yeah. like that. Jits and judos are a wee bit different because you need to be... Need to yeah, so yeah. I can understand them thinking, oh, man, I feel so jealous you. You're going to get back to training straight away, and yet I'm still not sure what's going to be happening because am I going to have to roll with a mask on? Am I going to have to be told that I'm not allowed? I'm yep. gonna to have to go to a gym that's got the big fair text dummies, and that's as closest as to one-to-one rolling I'm gonna get.
0: Yeah.
1: As much as we are coming out of lockdown, hopefully in June, it's still a scary prospect at the end of the day for all sports.
0: Yeah, for sure. We can only we can only hope that there's some major breakthrough that things just open, but we live in hope, buddy. We live in hope. That's it, man. We're, we're do We can only wait and see. Right. Okay, Mondo. Uh Give us a wee shout out to your Instagram in case anybody wants to go on and check it out. What's there, So, Dave? If anyone wants to go on
1: my Instagram, it's basically intrigued in life, and it's exactly mm-hmm. how it spell spelled. Yeah, so intrigued at life. Uh, in fact, let me just double check, it's not got the actual at because I'm not 100% sure. If the, uh, I think you search that, aye. it's intrigued in life, so it's no at, so it's just basically intrigued in life. It's just basically like me. It's all my training videos. You maybe get the the odd video, a picture, of the wee one doing something daft, but Brilliant. it's all about my training. I promote my fights on it, and if you want to go into my Facebook, unfortunately, it's just going to be anime and manga stuff related. Unfortunately, so
0: that's perfect. Right, Mondo, away you go and enjoy your training today, buddy. And uh, Dude, it's
1: been a let- pleasure. Thank you for having
0: me. No, listen, thank you so much for coming on, and I'll I'll catch you soon, bud. All right, all right man, you have a good day. Thank you. Care. See you later, catch Mondo. You. Cheers, pal.